Well, good morning, and it's certainly a joy to be here today. I'm glad that you uh, weathered the storm. I was telling your pastor when I served with uh, Pastor Johnny Hunt at First Baptist Woodstock, he used to say it only takes 19 drops of rain to keep 20 Baptists out of church. <laughs> and so uh, I'm grateful it didn't keep you out today. You know, I've often thought, uh, I wonder if it rained uh, when Jesus was crucified, and so he said he couldn't go to the cross for us because it was raining that day. And uh, certainly that wouldn't be the case, but it is a blessing to be with you. It's always good to be in God's house on God's day with God's people. Amen. And so it's a joy to be with you. Now, you don't know me, and I don't know you. But we might as well start getting to loving on each other, because we're going to have to love each other all through eternity. Amen. And so it is a blessing to be with you, my brothers and sisters in Christ. So that we can use our time wise, I want to get right into the message this morning and I want to speak to you on the subject, Sunday School, the church mobilized for mission. Now folks, I grew up in a home where we went to Sunday School. In fact, in those days, not only did we go to Sunday School, but we went to training union. Now if you remember that, you're old like me. And then on Wednesday night, we went to RAs. And uh, that was just the way I was raised. I'm a, I've got an identical twin brother that pastors up in the Tri-Cities area of Tennessee, and i got two younger brothers. And when my twin brother and I were five, another brother three, another brother one, my dad checked out on us and uh, moved away and basically was a womanizer. So we moved in with Granny, my mom's mom. And uh, my mom then had to go to work. Well... During the summer, my grandmother always had a garden, and she'd always have us four boys out in the garden working. Now, I'm not sure it needed all the work she made us do. But I am convinced she was trying to keep us out of trouble. So we'd get out in the garden and, and work. And, and one day while we were out in the garden, my grandmother, her back was to me, and so I slipped off and went right down the street, four doors down the street, to my cousin Butch's house. Now, Butch had the largest yard in the neighborhood, and so that's the yard we always played ball in. And so I stayed down at Butch's house all day and played ball. When it came time for supper that night, I come home, and I sat down in my normal place that I had at the supper table. And I noticed everybody's place was set with their plate and their glass and their silverware and all that, but my place was not set. You already know I'm in trouble, don't you? Yeah. And in my place, there's a Bible laid open. Uh, you see, the, I'm getting deeper and deeper in trouble. And I can still see Granny leaning over the stove cooking, and I said to her, Granny, why is everybody's place set but mine? She never even looked up from the stove. She kept cooking, and she just said, Alan, read verse 10. Well, the Bible was so happened to be laid open to 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. And so I read verse 10. If a man don't work, neither shall he eat. <laughs> and when I finished reading the verse, Granny said, Alan, you didn't work today, so you're not eating tonight. And so she fed me no supper. In fact, she camped out in the kitchen all night where I couldn't slip in for a snack. And that's when I learned that you were supposed to take the Bible literally. Yeah. 
My grandmother was born in 1898. She had a seventh grade education, but was a lifelong learner. She was constantly studying her Bible. She and the ladies that were in her Bible study class are all in heaven now, but those ladies used to tell me all the time, Alan, your grandmother's the best Bible teacher I've ever heard. And I can understand why she studied all the time. Uh, by the way, uh, for you teachers, all a teacher is is a learner that gets to verbalize what they're learning. That's what a teacher is. My mother passed away about three and a half years ago. When my mom died, she'd been teaching Sunday school for 61 years. So between my grandmother and my mother, you see, Sunday school's just in my genes. I, I tell you, Pastor, I didn't have a chance. I had to be a Sunday school man, and I am. So I want to speak to you on the topic. Sunday school, here it is, the church mobilized for mission. Now, you know, we have a lot of thoughts about Sunday school, and, you know, a lot of people would say things like, you know, Sunday school is the place to go where you learn that it really is the book of Job, not the book of Job. That uh, Sunday school is the place to go where you learn that Colossians is actually a New Testament book written by the Apostle Paul and not rubber boots you wear when it's raining. <laughs> uh, Sunday school is a place you go that you learn that the epistles are not the wives of the apostles. <laughs> Sunday school is a place you go where you learn that there really is not a verse that says there's something rotten in Denmark. And Sunday school is a place to go where you learn that Noah's wife was really not Joan of Arc. <laughs> That's the reason we need to go to Sunday school. Amen. <laughs> Sunday school started in England around 1780 by a gentleman named Robert Rakes. You see, what Rakes observed in England at that time was there were a lot of children who came from impoverished homes and because of that, they did not go to school. They were used as child labor to work to earn any extra income that they could uh, supply to the family. And so these children would work six days a week, and then they'd run wild throughout the streets on Sundays. And so Robert Rakes then formed a school to teach these children how to read and write, the Bible being one of his primary texts. And that's how it got its name, Sunday School. The movement spread to the... Uh, to the New England states in the early 1800s. And by, uh, by 1824, the first formal Sunday school movement had formed in the United States under the efforts by the American Sunday School Union. And uh, they literally, the American Sunday School Union, went across America literally training thousands and thousands of Sunday school workers and starting thousands and thousands of Sunday schools across America. They uh, even started publishing curriculum so that people would have some kind of systematic scope and sequence study to use as they taught the Word of God. And by the 1900s, Sunday school had developed, if you will, in the United States as not only a, a Christian education uh, function, but also a function of evangelism and nurturing and ministering to the people who came. And so with that backdrop, I want to try, if we have time, to look at five, if you will, Five key issues about Sunday school. The first is, I want you to see the prominence of Sunday school. The prominence of Sunday school. Uh, Dr. Tom Rayner, who is the president of Lifeway, uh, has done much research. And he did research studying the, the top 576 top evangelistic churches in the United States. 
and studying these 576 top evangelistic churches, he discovered, and the research showed, that there were three important factors in these highly evangelistic churches. And the three most important factors in these highly evangelistic churches were the pulpit, prayer, and Sunday school. Now, now folks, that really ought not come as any surprise. I mean, these churches, they had a man of God that stood in the pulpit and preached the Word of God to the people. These churches were a praying people, uh, seeking the face of God, the favor of God. And these churches utilized their Sunday school as a way to mobilize their people to reach the lost and unchurched community around them. About that same time, Steve Parr, who's no stranger to this church, vice president of the Georgia Baptist Convention, uh, Steve surveyed the top 100 evangelistic churches in the state of Georgia. And Steve found out that there was three key factors in these top 100 evangelistic churches in Georgia. That was the pulpit, prayer, and Sunday school. It's no coincidence that both research studies found out the same thing in top evangelistic churches. Yet it seems today that our churches are moving away from all three. It seems like more and more we water down the Word in the pulpit, and more and more we become less of a praying people, and, and more and more we move away from Sunday school, the very three things that made Southern Baptists prominent. I would suggest to you that no other ministry has been used in America to teach more people the Word of God than Sunday school. No, no other ministry has discipled more people, at least in the church in America, than Sunday school. No other ministry has cared and nurtured for hurting people like Sunday school. Dear friend, I want to say Sunday school has been prominent in the American church. And I think it's still prominent today. You see, I believe Sunday school works if you work it. But like anything else, if you don't work it, it won't work. And so we got, got to work it. The prominence of Sunday school. But let me move to the purpose of Sunday school. Because I want you to see, I, in, in my way of seeing it biblically, I want you to see the three tasks of Sunday school. If you will, turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 4 and verse 23. Matthew chapter 4 and verse 23. I want to look at two passages. Both will be in Matthew. It's good to hear those pages turning. I'll be honest with you, I visit a lot of churches. And I'll tell you, there's something I look for when I go to a church, and that is, do people actually carry a copy of God's Word? Uh, now, I know a lot of people have it on their iPhone now. Uh, you know, President Trump's talked a lot about fake news. Well, I say those iPhones are fake Bibles. <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. Uh, I'm glad you got a copy. Uh, you know, anymore, Pastor, I never know to say, when you get to preach, I don't, I don't know whether I'm supposed to say, turn in your Bible, or... Uh, Turn on your Bible. 
But either way, get to a copy. Matthew 4, 23, the Scripture says this, And Jesus went about all Galilee. Now, Galilee was his hometown region. That's, he was raised in Nazareth, and so it was around Galilee that he, he grew up. And so now he's doing ministry, and he's going to do it around that area, that Sea of Galilee. And so we ask the question, Jesus, what are you doing? You see, Jesus lived a purposeful, specific, intentional life. I've had the, the, the privilege to go to Israel on two different occasions, and both times I've had the privilege to go to the Sea of Galilee. And you see, I, I wasn't there really being intentional. I was just there as a tourist taking in the sights. But your friend Jesus didn't come as a tourist. And so we asked the question, Jesus, while you were ministering in Galilee, what were you doing? WWJD. Well, this verse goes on to say that he went all throughout Galilee, and here's what it says. He was teaching in their synagogues. He was preaching... Some versions say proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. That is the good news. You see, man already had bad news. He's a sinner and separated from holy God. He's teaching in the synagogues. He's preaching the gospel of the kingdom. And thirdly, it says that he's healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. Dear friend, I want to suggest to you that Jesus did three things straight out of the scripture here. And I've just coined it this way. He was reaching people, he was teaching people, and he was ministering to people. So the three tasks of Sunday school ought to be the same thing that Jesus undertook, and the three tasks of Sunday school are to reach people. We, another word for that is evangelism. Uh, we ought to teach people. Another word for that is discipleship. By the way, evangelism and discipleship is the Great Commission. And then he was ministering to people as he was healing them of their sicknesses and their diseases. Those are the three things that Jesus did in Galilee. Now turn over to Matthew chapter 9 and verse 35. In Matthew chapter 9 and verse 35, the scripture says, And Jesus went about all the cities and villages. Now he's spreading out from Galilee. Now, in Matthew 4, he was, he was ministering in, his, in the region of his hometown. Now he's going to other cities and villages. So again, we ask the question, Jesus, what are you doing? And if you'll notice, after giving a location change, Matthew 9.35 is a verbatim quote of Matthew 4.23. He's teaching in the synagogues, it says. He's preaching the gospel of the kingdom. And he's, he's healing every sickness and every disease among the people. Those are the three things Jesus did, not only in Galilee. Those are the three things He did when He went to other cities and villages. He was reaching people. He was teaching people. And He was ministering to people. Dear friend, I suggest to you, Sunday school ought to do what Jesus did. In fact, Christians ought to do what Jesus did. We ought to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We ought to teach people the Word of God. And we ought to minister to the needs of of the people. Now, I want to say something. If you've got a Sunday school, and if you've got your Sunday school classes that are reaching people, teaching people, and ministering to people, you're going to have a good Sunday school. You're going to have an effective Sunday school. You're going to have a Great Commission Sunday school if you'll do those three things. Many, many years ago, my wife and I took vacation, and like a lot of people do in Georgia, we went down to the Redneck Riviera, <laughs> Panama City Beach, Florida. You go down there, you'll see a lot of Georgia license plates. So uh, we're down at Panama City. Before we left, I printed off my computer, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Because I thought while I'm there, I'm going to read through the, those four gospel accounts of the life of Christ. 
And I took three highlighter pens with me because I knew what I was going to do. And so every morning when I'd get up to do my quiet time, instead of reading it, my scripture from my Bible, I would pick up that ream of paper that I printed off my computer, and I would read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And every time I saw Jesus reaching people, I would take out my orange highlighter, and I would highlight that verse in orange. And every time I saw him teaching people, I'd take out my green highlighter, and I would highlight that verse in green. And every time I saw him ministering to people, I would take out my blue highlighter, and I would highlight that verse in blue. When I'd finished reading through that, I I thought, man, I have wore these highlighters out. And I picked up that ream of papers and just thumbed through it to see the colors, and the colors were everywhere. And it aroused my curiosity, and I thought, I wonder how many verses I've actually highlighted. So I thought, I'm going to go back and count them. And then I thought, but before I do that, I'm going to count how many total verses are in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And so I counted. There's 3,776 verses in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And out of those 3,776 verses, I had highlighted 2,014 verses. Dear friend, that's all Jesus did. His whole earthly ministry was consumed in those three things. In fact, I noticed every time Jesus was doing something or saying something, it would fit under the category of reach people or teach people or minister to people every time. That's just what Jesus did. And so again, I submit to you that we ought to do what Jesus did. Now, we know that in Antioch, the the, the disciples were first called Christians. The word Christian there meant little Christ. Now, there's a sermon just in that, and we don't have time to go there, but they saw so much of Jesus in them people (laughs) that they named him little Christ. Dear friend, that ought to be said of the church today. But you see, if we're going to be a little Christ, we ought to do what the Christ did. And what did the Christ do? He was reaching people. He was teaching people. He was ministering to people. Have I said that enough that you got it? Good. That's what Sunday school ought to do. That is the three tasks of Sunday school, those three things. Let's go then to the priority of Sunday school the prominence of Sunday school, the purpose of Sunday school, but now the priority of Sunday school. And you see, the priority of Sunday school is to carry out the Great Commission. That, that's the purpose. We're to, we're to carry it out. I'm, uh, when I was still on staff at Woodstock, I'm in my office one day. I get a telephone call from a minister of education that's serving a church in Alabama. And uh, <clears throat> he, he called and he said, Alan, I've got to talk to somebody. you got a few minutes? And I said, Sure. And he said, uh, man, I'm concerned about my church. I said, well, well, why are you concerned about it? He said, our church is not a Great Commission church. And then I just hold the phone while he talks to me for a good while about their church, and it's not a Great Commission church. So when he gets through, I said to him, well, well, let me ask you three questions, if I could. Uh, I want to ask you, is Sunday school a Great Commission ministry in your church? He said, oh, no. And again, I hold the phone, and he talks a while. And when he got through, I said, all right, let me ask you my second question. Is Sunday school the largest ministry, the largest organization in your church? He said, oh, yeah, by far. I said, well, I, I, I would have thought so. And I said, so here's my third question. How can you have a Great Commission church if the largest organization in the church is not a Great Commission organization? You just can't do it. It's got to be the Great Commission organization, it's got to carry that responsibility. 
So let, let's look at two or three things with that. First of all, I want to look at Sunday school is the church organized to carry out the Great Commission. Sunday school is the church organized to carry out the Great Commission. It's been about a year ago now. I'm in a meeting in Destin, Florida. In order to be at this meeting, you had to be a minister of education at a Southern Baptist church that ran a thousand or more in Sunday school. So I'm at this meeting. There's 31 guys at this meeting. And so d during the meetings, it was a three-day affair. And, and, and so the question was asked, and here was the question, how many of you have an intentional outreach strategy? 31 guys representing 31 megachurches. Six hands go up. And my heart sinks. I'm thinking, you're kidding. Only six of these churches have an intentional outreach strategy? We talked about that a little bit. And then a guy who didn't raise his hand asked the six who did raise their hand. He said in a very negative tone, he said, well, well does that really work? And I'm sitting there thinking, oh, that was such a bad question. Oh, I would have never asked that question. I mean, we evaluate answers, but every now and then you've got to evaluate a question. That's just a bad question. <laughs> I've heard people say there's no such thing as bad questions. Yes, they are. <laughs> that was a bad question. And they talked about that some, and, and I'm sitting there, and I, it just so burdened me. Finally, I said, well, i got a question for y'all that didn't raise your hand. Does that really work? I mean, if we're going to say that an intentional outreach strategy does not work, it must assume that an unintentional strategy will. Now, folks, I'm not real smart, but where I come from, there's a, there's a Greek word for that. Stupid. <laughs> there's a Hebrew word for it. Dumb. Uh, can you imagine? Can, can you imagine talking to a CEO of a, a major corporation and say, uh, uh, Sir, what, do, do you have a business plan, a business strategy? Oh, oh, no, we don't have one. Well, you think the guy's nuts. Can, can you imagine before a football game asking Kirby Smart, uh, Coach, what's your game plan? for? Oh, we, we don't have one. Come on, can you imagine asking the, the superintendent of the schools of Clark County, do you have an educational plan? Educa no, we don't have one. Now, now, folks, everybody has an intentional plan to do what they're supposed to do. But the church. I, I don't have time to get into it right now, but I'm telling you, as Southern Baptist, every year we're seeing baptisms drop, 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 drop. Every year, and we've been on a, I don't remember how many years now, but a many-year decline. You know why? Because we don't have an intentional outreach strategy. And it ought to be Sunday school. I'm in a meeting in Little Rock, Arkansas with 24 ministers from 24 churches. So I asked them the same question. How many of you have an intentional outreach strategy? Four hands go up. I'm in Houston, Texas. I asked 26 ministers, do you have an intentional outreach strategy? Six hands go up. My point is most of our churches don't have an intentional outreach strategy. I bet every one of them churches had an intentional budget strategy. Come on. I bet every one of them, when it came time to build, had an intentional building strategy and hired an architect and all that. Why is it that we have a strategy to do everything we do but the main thing we're supposed to do? Back to them Hebrew and Greek words again. It grieves me. It grieves me that our churches 
have no strategy in trying to reach people for Jesus when that's the last thing that he told us to do. It's been said, you've probably heard it, but it's been said that when we get to heaven, the first thing God's going to ask us is what we did with the last thing he told us to do. Sunday school is the church organized to carry out the Great Commission. But Sunday school is the church mobilized to carry out the Great Commission. Now, stop and think about just the way the church operates. Um, most churches have a discipleship ministry of some kind. I want to ask the question, is the discipleship's ministry job to reach lost and unchurched people? The answer to that is No. It's their job to take the people that's already been reached and help mature them, help grow them, help them to be no more children tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. They're rooted, they're established in the faith. Uh, is it the choir's job to reach lost and unchurched people? No. It's their job to take the people that's already been reached and when we gather on the Lord's Day to help us exalt Jesus and praise and worship Him, which they did this morning. Is it the finance committee's job to reach lost and unchurched people? Or is it the building and grounds committee's job? Are they tasked with reaching lost and unchurched people? Or the, the personnel committee? No! So here's my question. If Sunday school don't reach lost and unchurched people, pray tell who will? The answer? Nobody. And I submit to you this morning, that's where most of our churches are at. Somebody got to own it. And Sunday school ought to own it. And for a lot of reasons that I can't get into right now. But if for no other reason, it is the largest organization. And it is the, the organization that meets during prime time, which is Sunday morning. And by the way, 80-something percent of unchurched people surveyed said if they went to church, they'd go to church on Sunday morning. So Sunday school's got to shoulder the responsibility of outreach and evangelism. Sunday school... Is the church organized to carry out the Great Commission? Sunday school is the church that ought to be mobilized to carry out the Great Commission. Now, I need to say something real quick about that, but here it is. Every Sunday school class ought to have a list of prospects that you're trying to reach. Folks, you don't reach nameless people. I, I heard uh, or read, actually, a story about two guys eating supper one night. I mean, one guy was hungry. Man, he was throwing down. <laughs> the other guy, he wasn't very hungry at all, and he took a couple of bites, but mostly just played with the food on his plate. And, and finally, the guy that was hungry, when he ate all of his plate, he looked at this other guy that hadn't eaten much at all, and he said, uh, you're not going to eat that? And the guy said, no, I'm just not very hungry tonight. And he said, well, man, don't you know there's people starving to death in India? The guy looked back at him, and he said, name one. You see, we say there's people out here, they're dying and going to hell. Name one. Because if you can't, you're not going to reach him. That's the reason every class ought to have a list of prospects that they're trying to reach. And that they're aggressively, intentionally going after lost and unchurched people. Sunday school is the church organized to carry out the Great Commission. Sunday school is the church mobilized to carry out the Great Commission. But dear friend, Sunday school is the church individualized to carry out the Great Commission. Now, have you ever really paid any attention to the Great Commission itself? Just the words. The, the first two words are what? Go ye. Now, now, ye is the old English word for you. Now, now notice what Jesus didn't say. He didn't say, go y'all. 
Now, y'all's a good southern word, isn't it? I love the word. But Jesus didn't say, go y'all. He said, go ye. Go you. Go you. Go you. Go you. Go you. It is an individual command to every born-again believer. So let me just make a bold statement, because if you don't like me, I'm leaving this afternoon. We'll both get some relief. Here's my bold statement. Dear friend, if, if you are a born-again Christian and you are not actively involved in the Great Commission, you are out of the will of God. I did not say that you weren't a good church member. I did not say you weren't a good person. I did not say you weren't a good citizen. Uh, uh, none of that. I just said you're out of the will of God because he said, go ye. And that means every one of us, in whatever way God's called and gifted us to do it, is to be going. By the way, I just read a book just published by Alvin Reed, who's a professor at Southeastern Seminary, and the title of the book is Sharing Jesus Without Freaking Out. I would recommend everybody buy it and read it. It's a short read. It's about 115 pages, I believe. Um, so I, uh, you got to have a book to read it to beat you summer, don't you? So uh, I'd recommend Sharing Jesus Without Freaking Out. It's a, it's a good book. But, but we are to individually be involved in the Great Commission. Now, we're not going to get to them other two points, and I knew we wouldn't because my time's up. But here's what I do want to uh, close with, dear friend, and that is that uh, I want to ask you, will you be committed to be mobilized for the Great Commission? Will you? That's the question before us this morning. I I, I love this, uh, this statement. But you see, there is no such thing as commitment unless your personal comfort and convenience is jeopardized. Now, let that resonate in your heart a minute. There is no such thing as commitment unless your personal comfort and convenience is jeopardized. Uh, Before going into the ministry, I was an assistant high school football coach. I didn't go into ministry until I was 36. When I coach football, here's what you you, got to get your players in shape. You you can't win football games with a team that's out of shape. And so you got to get him in shape, but you also got to get him in shape. You owe it to the player to get him in shape because if he's not in shape, he's much more vulnerable to injury. So, so you want to get your boys in shape. And so before we would uh, go out to practice, uh, us, us coaches, we, we had this little thing amongst us. We never told our players this. But, 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 but you see, uh, to get a player in shape, you don't work that player until he gets tired and quits. You get a player in shape, it's how much you work him after he's tired that you get him in shape. I mean, if you're just going to work out you get, as soon as you get tired and quit, you're not going to get in shape. I, I, I thought I'd start jogging again, and well, so far I've made it back up to the third mailbox. Um, I'm tired and I quit. But if I'm going to get in shape, I'm going to have to go beyond that third mailbox, don't you see? So... Uh, we would always run our players at the end of practice. I mean, they've already been running during practice. They've already been hitting each other. I mean, the body's tired. And so now at the end of practice, we're absolutely just going to run the dickens out of them because they're tired, and how much you work them after they're tired is how you get them in shape. And so what we'd do is uh, 
you know, the coaches we'd get at our different stations around the field. I might be over here, coach here, coach here, coach there. We're doing our running back and forth. And, and see, us coaches know something, that, but our players don't know this. And by the way, ladies, this may be a good time for you to stop your ears. And if you don't, your blood's on your own hands, not mine. But here's what our coaches would know. We're going to run them till somebody pukes. That's just what we're going to do. So we're running. We're running. They're tired. I'm telling you, they're tired. Their, their tongues are, are, are wagging. They're sucking wind. Their hands are on their hip. I mean, they're sweating. They're, but nobody's puked yet. So you just keep running. <laughs> and finally, after a while, maybe another coach will call, Hey, I got one. I got one. Well, guess what? It's time to call practice off because now we pushed them to the max, which is what you have to do to get in shape. You see, you can't just work that player out in his comfort and convenience zone. And if that player's going to be a player, he's got to be committed enough to go beyond his comfort and convenience to be the kind of player he's going to have to be. Now, dear friend, if we're going to serve Jesus like we ought to, and this is a problem we have because, you see, people only want to serve. Here it is. We only want to serve Jesus when our comfort and convenience zone. But if he gets out of sight of that, man, I'm out of here. Well, I'm going to tell you, it wasn't convenient in the Garden of Gethsemane. It wasn't comfortable hanging on that cross with spikes driven in your feet and hands. Dear friend, let me say something. To be a Christian, all it takes is all you got. If any man come after me, let him deny himself. Take up his cross daily and follow me. All it takes is all you got. We're going to have to get over this mentality of we're only going to serve Jesus in our comfort and convenience zone. Amen? We've got to go beyond. So I want to ask you, will you go beyond where you are? There's some of you that's not in Sunday school. Dear friend, you ought to be in Sunday school because Sunday school is the outreach evangelistic arm of the church. It is the church organized, mobilized, individualized to carry out the Great Commission. And if you're really going to be involved in the Great Commission in this church, most of you, there may be a few exceptions, but there'll be very few, most of you are going to need to be in Sunday school. So if you're not in Sunday school, I want to ask you, will you be committed to be in Sunday school? Now, number two, some of you go, but let's just be honest, you're very sporadic. You go occasionally. Well, I want to ask you a question. Are, are you really committed? Are you really involved with a class and trying to reach lost people if you're not there very much? If you're not in Sunday school, I want to ask you this morning to commit to Sunday school. If you're coming sporadically, I want you this morning to commit before Jesus, not for me, but for Him. Will you commit to be faithful? And then some of you are faithful, but some of you ought to be teaching Sunday school. Some of you ought to be serving as outreach leaders, care group leaders, whatever, to get more involved, and it's going to push you beyond where you are, but you, you need to do it. You see, folks, life is like a suitcase. You can only cram so much in it. And here's what I do know. If you're going to serve Jesus, you've got to get some stuff out so that you can put more of your commitment in. That's just what it takes. Will you commit to it?